Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning. Grab your Bibles if you have them. If you don't have them, take one of ours and make it yours. Does this uh, sound clear to you guys? It's brand new. We don't want to show off or anything, but the other one kept uh, turning off all the time, and this sounds so clear. Did you notice that too? You don't notice it sounds exactly the same to you? The, to the rest of us, Eric, it sounds better. Okay, so we are, um, for Easter, we're going uh, through John 3.16, and uh, this morning, have you ever had uh, a task that you knew you had to do, and it was right there in front of you, and you knew that no matter what, you were absolutely going to fail? That's how the sermon feels this morning. It's not from lack of trying, it's not from lack of preparation, I just know without a doubt there is no way that I can do this justice. I'm okay with it, um, but we're talking about, um, I mean, John 3.16. And not only are we talking about John 3.16, which we talked about last week, talking about this week, and we're talking about on Easter, but we are especially going to focus on um, the word love. And I'm going to do my best this morning to try to describe what that word means when it says, for God so loved the world. Uh, there's, I'm going to fail. Uh, I will give it my best shot. I will use everything the word of God has given me, experience, uh, everything I have at my disposal, but there's no way to make it. It's much like uh, when I see young couples, uh, or old couples actually, that are just starting to date, or, or however you want to look at that. And when I was uh, younger, remember when I was dating, and I used to throw around the word love, I love you. And when you see, especially younger couples, within the ages of 20, sorry if you're in the age of 20, you're like, well, I'm getting married. I totally know what love is. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. And it's, it's not because anyone at the age of 20 really understands. I don't know if we understand at 30 or 40 or 50, 60, 70, 80, but it's, <laughs> we, we sometimes throw around love, like, I love you, like we would throw around I love pizza, I love craft beer, I love the ocean, I love coffee, I love sleep, I love naps. We throw that around, and yet the love that we're talking about here, just the love that we talk about in marriage, is so much more. It is so much deeper, and so we're going to do our best uh, to look at that. So... Right now, we're going to look at different kinds of love in the Bible. That's the, that's the best way I know how to get there. That's the best way that I know for us to do this. Um, uh, this is my favorite one, but we'll, get, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. Uh, in terms of looking at this, it's something that we need to get a handle on. And not for marriage, although it is helpful for that. Not for friendship, although it's helpful for that. Not for um, just getting along with people. 
It's good that we understand the word love for that reason as well. It's not just for our relationship with God because in our relationship with him, you don't even need to understand it completely. But God has called us. The greatest thing we could do is to love God and to love others. And so that type of love that he's talking about, if we don't understand that, we could be the biggest failures in life because our greatest call in life to love God and love others, if we don't understand what that means, then of course we can't reach it, right? If, if you don't know what you're aiming at, you'll never hit it. And so we're going to try to step back and not only in our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other, try to understand what does that mean to really love? And so by doing this, we're going to look at the ways that it's described in the Bible. And in the Bible, it, when you ever see the word love in the New Testament, it's just going to say love. But that's not the word that's behind it. There's, there's, uh, in the Bible, there are four different ones. In Greek, there are five words that are typically used for love. We could have chosen any language, but since the New Testament is in Greek, we're going to choose Greek. Uh, just like the Eskimos have all of the, anyone? Eskimoan? If you say anything confidently enough, then people just think that's the way it's supposed to be. Oh, I didn't know they were called Eskimoans. <laughs> They're not, but I just threw it out confidently to make it sound that way. But they have many words for the word snow. You've heard that before. Well, there's many words for love. And here when we look at for God so loved the world, there is one particular description that is being described. So whenever this magical word pops up, when we look at it, it's going to be in green, and most of the time it's going to be in bold. But this word is one of the words in Greek that we're going to look at. I'm not going to spend much time on it. It's called mania. Um, so I think you kind of know, because you know some words, it just means you're crazy. So there is, uh, for example, Paul was described as having a mania uh, when he was one of the king's. And one of his letters in Acts, and it describes this mania that he had. And so we can have this love, and really what it is is an addiction. It's where we lose our mind over something. Um, probably not over pizza or something like that. But, you know, if you think of a substance abuse or lust, that is mania. That is, is, is it's, you've lost your mind. Um, another word that is used is eros. Eros is one uh, that we're all familiar with. Uh, it is determining a sexual love. It is a, a love, and, and with the rest of these loves, I like the way that C.S. Lewis described them. He called them need loves. They're loves where we need something. Because if that object is not there, then the love disappears. And in Eros, although we immediately go to the physical part of it, it's also very conditional. It's what it's saying is, I like or love the way you make me feel. Um, and when that changes, that love disappears. Another one is storgi or storgi. And this is a, a love that is, um, is higher than eros. Higher meaning it, it's, it's more selfless. And none of these, except for mania, none of these loves are bad. So just because eros is not the love that we're getting to describe, because when it says, for God so loved the world, he didn't mean for God so maniad or for God so eros, that doesn't mean that, those, that eros is bad. It's beautiful. It's neutral. 
but it's not the higher love that we're talking about. In the same way with storge, it's beautiful. It, it, it defines a relationship, um, it's often used between a mother and a child, or a father and a child. Um, another way to look at it is, is when you see a, uh, a, um, a cat and her kittens, and she just sm- brings them in close. It, it, it's uh, sometimes described as affection. And that, that description of affection is because th- it, it, there's this need to give. There's the need for the kitten to receive, but there's also this need for the mother to give and to be needed to give. So you can see where this beautiful love can go haywire. Um, as we're getting close to Easter, there's families going to be together. And I heard someone say this week, I basically hear this every other day, you know how family is. Because this person had to get together with their family, and they're like, well, you know how family is. Like, you're kind of stuck with them. Meaning there's been damage done. So it shouldn't surprise us that in Storge, just like with Eros, this kind of love can just go off the rails. Because if a father or mother doesn't have that love come back, like, you don't need me anymore, you don't appreciate what I gave you, it's, it's almost like there's an exchange. And when the exchange isn't even, then things go off the rails. Um, and the last uh, word that is used for love, oh, by the way, in the Bible, mania is in the Bible, eros is not in the Bible, uh, storge is, and now phileo. Phileo describes a, a companionship, a friendship love. Philadelphia, that's where we get that word from, the city of brotherly love. Phileo, uh, also beautiful. When I, when I think of phileo, I think of uh, one of my closest friends, John Norton. And our, we have a phileo for each other. And that love, uh, it, it's almost like when you meet someone, you're like, oh, you have that? You like that too? I like that. Or, or you have an experience together or you care for each other. It needs, it needs time. To have that kind of phileo, you have to have experiences. You have to have history. And as beautiful as that friendship is, it's still an exchange. And those, those friendships can sometimes fall apart because they are conditional. It's, it's we're looking out for each other. There's an arrow going this way. There's an arrow going that way. And our friendship We've gone through so much together, Nordy and I. We've gone through uh, success and failure, through joy, through pain. Um, you don't fully understand some of these friendships, some of these storgies, some of these eroses until they're about to leave. And there's this pain that hits you when you realize that that can pass. And uh, when I was very, very sick, and uh, the first time that they said that I was going to die, he was coming back down from Arrowhead. And uh, he was coming to the hospital to say goodbye and just this realization like he's going to be gone. And in that, that phileo would then wash away because it's, it's an exchange. But none of these loves, these descriptions for love, is what Jesus was referring to when he was talking to Nicodemus. When he's talking to Nicodemus and he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. He wasn't referring to any of these. He was referring to a word called agape. And if you've been around the church, you've heard this word, 
but it's still, it's one of those words we throw around, but do we understand what this kind of love is? We understand the depth of what's being said here. And there is a difference. When we talk about phileo and agape, um, if you've uh, read your Bibles, you've, you know that when Jesus dies, he rises again, and then he has this exchange with Peter. It's in John. And when he's with Peter, he says, do you love me? And then Peter looks at him, well, yeah, you know I love you. And so we're reading this going, yeah, I love, 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 love. But underneath those words are these Greek words, and they're different. So here, in John 21, after breakfast, Jesus asks Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Notice it's in bold green. If you're listening to the podcast, you're getting ripped off right now, sorry. But Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? Whenever you see it bold and in green, that's agape. So he's asking Peter, do you agape me more than these? And Peter replies, yes, Lord. You know that I phileo you. And then Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Then Jesus repeats the question. Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Yes, Lord. You know I phileo you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And then the last time, a third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? And it says Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. So it doesn't sound like he's hurt because Jesus changes the word love. Probably because he asked him a third time because that reminded Peter of when he denied Jesus three times. So he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. The reason that I showed us this passage is not so that we could study this passage, but to understand that when you're reading the word of God, that there are words underneath, just like we talked about the word you, Y-O-U. Most often in the New Testament, when you see Y-O-U, it's really meaning y'all, right? Uh, I was talking with Tyler about the worship music, and I said, you know what? I really want us more often in our worship music to make sure that we're focusing on, on music that uses the word y'all. That didn't mean country necessarily, although if they're out there, sure, we'll do it. But words that we, that we sing to God together rather than words that are singular. And in the same way, when we look at God's word, we need to try our best to look underneath. This is not hard stuff to find out, by the way. Hopefully you're not impressed by me teaching you this. Oh my gosh, look how much he knows. You got Google. This is all there. This is for anyone. There's a book by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves. It's all in there. You don't have to be, the answers are there. And so in this, in looking into God's word, you can find the reality beyond these. So I chose this because I wanted us to look at it because I want us to understand this agape. But the best way for us to understand this kind of love, for God so loved, what kind of love does he love us with? Because if it's not eros and it's not mania, and it's not phileo, and it's not storge, then what kind of love is this? Because it's different. This is a, a divine love. What does this look like? This is a way to describe agape right here. Paul is saying to the church in Rome, he says, when we were utterly helpless. I love that word helpless. I want you to focus on that. Think of that us as helpless. 
Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So while we were helpless, Christ came and died for us. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great agape for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Agape love, we talked about an exchange where an arrow goes this way and an arrow comes back. Agape love is one-sided. Agape is an arrow from the lover to the lovee. It doesn't grow stronger and it doesn't grow weaker. It is constant. But it comes from the lover to the lovee. And in that, it is impossible for us but not for God. Because this is the beauty. Of all the other loves, there's a hunger involved. But God himself is not hungry. God himself is so full and overflowing and not in need that he can love us in that manner. Agape love is one where there is sacrifice. It is one where there is a death involved. John 15, 13 describes agape this way. Greater love, greater agape has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that is what Christ has done for us. To talk about love, to focus on John three sixteen, we did it on purpose. Because this is the week, this is the season of the cross. And there is no greater picture of agape than the cross. There is only one person, only one being that could have ever been on that cross to agape us. It was the one who is infinite. It is the one that, that has no hunger within himself, yet loved us, yet while we were still sinners, while we were helpless, while we had nothing to give back, yet he loved us. And that's why this love is so difficult for us to really believe. It's why when we read that passage, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, we read it, we listen to it, but we immediately move on because it just doesn't seem real. We can't even wrap our heads around it. Why would God love me? As if we have to base it on our value. That's why so many marriages fall apart. I can't help but look at this word love and not think about marriages or think about um, families breaking apart. It's because we didn't get something back we wanted. We've talked about that before. Why do we, it says this in scripture clearly in 1 John, why, or is it James? If someone gets it, you can let me know, you Bible uh, memorizers. It, why do we fight and strong, struggle? Why do we fight? Isn't that a great thing that we'd love to have the answer to? Well, the Bible gives it to us. Why do we fight and struggle with each other? Because we don't get what we want. That is why we do that. Those other loves all involve that, ex that exchange. There has to be something involved. There has to be an object. There has to be a return in the investment. But in agape love, it's saying, look, I don't care what you do. This is what I'm doing for you. And I don't want anything back. I don't expect anything back. I don't need anything back. 
God is satisfied in himself. Another thing that our mind blows up when we try to try to understand that. God didn't create us because he was lonely. God created us because he was full. That's how he can agape us. That's how he can love us. For God so loved us. He so loves us. He still loves us because he is full. That's how he can lay down his life for us. Here's another way we're going to try to, to look at how God loves us. So now I am giving you a new command. Agape each other just as I have agaped you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If my kids heard me say this in church, they'd go, Dad, you know that's not a great word to be throwing around, but we suck at this. I can't just say we're bad at this. We're not good at this. I mean, we're just, we're bad. And that's normal. Have you ever given yourself permission to realize you're not divine? Have you ever given yourself permission to say, you know what? God is calling me to something that's impossible, and he knew it. We're going to get into this in a little bit, but you should not be overwhelmed by this. You should be very realistic and rational and realize this is beyond us. For me to describe this, remember I told you I was going to fail at this? In the same way, for us to love each other, for us to do it, it can't happen. It's impossible. So if that's the case, if this is impossible, then how is this supposed to be done? This is how it's done. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This agape love is divine and it cannot be done from us. And yet you are completely capable of doing it. Because God promises his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that Spirit that is so full, that Spirit that is overflowing, that Spirit that doesn't have a need, but is a gift. God's Spirit is in us, so now we are free to do that. It doesn't mean we'll ever be perfect in it, but we're capable. So when God calls us, and says to us, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other, it is possible because his spirit dwells within us. We've seen reflections of it. You have been a reflection of it because God has placed his spirit within us. He's filled our hearts with his love, with his agape. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The rest of it goes on gentleness, self-control. But that agape, it's in us. It's the fruit of God's presence. That's why in marriage, this can be done. But we need to understand the different loves and we need to seek the higher love, 
The love for which God loved us, for God so loved us that he gave his only son. When you take that word love and you put gave right to it, this is my last attempt to try to describe what agape is. It involves giving. It involves sacrifice. Love, it's not a feeling. It can involve feelings, but it's not a feeling. It's a gift. It's a charity that comes with no expectation of something in return, but it is given away freely. That's why if you have the King James Version of the Bible, the King James Translation, many times it translates this word, agape, as charity. Isn't that beautiful? We know what charity is, right? Now, I'm not talking about the kind of charity where you're like, oh, my house is full of stuff. I got to get rid of it. I'm going to go bring it to goodwill. I'm going to go give it to charity. No, you're not really giving charity. You're trying to clean out your house. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about charity where you have nothing that comes back, but you give it away freely. And it's something that's valuable to you. For God so loved us that he gave his only son. Or another way to say that word only is unique. God so loved us that he gave what was most valuable to us himself. And in marriage, we, we so often hear, I, I, this just isn't working for me. Or this person I married is not the person I first married. Again, it comes back to what I'm getting. Or what we often tell people when they're getting married is that marriage is this empty box. And it's not like Christmas when you show up to marriage and you open it up and you're like, oh, what's in there? What did I get? That's not agape love. That's phileo love. That's eros love. That's storge love. That's not agape. Agape love means you come, there's an empty box, and you know what your job is. You know what you are called to. When you stand there before your family and friends and you're making a commitment to love this other person, you're making a commitment to fill that box, to fill that container with whatever you have, with whatever you've been given, you're going to give it away as charity, as love, as agape, not expecting anything back. It's Easter. Some of you are going to hang with family. Some of you are purposely avoiding family because there's something that happened in the past where this person should have done that for me. This person should have done this or that person withheld this from me. That's not agape love. That's storge love. That's an expectation of you were supposed to get this or that. Or, but God is calling us to something greater. He's calling us to a new commandment, to love each other just as he has loved us. We can do this because it's been modeled to us and because he has placed his Holy Spirit within us. When we make a decision to follow Christ. Jesus says this in John 14, 21. I'm pretty sure this is where we're going to head. We're, we're doing the home groups um, right after Easter. I know we're doing that for six weeks. And I'm pretty sure that right after that, we're going to go through a series where we're just going to look at key scriptures and all of us are going to memorize these scriptures. And one of the possible scriptures is John 14, 21. For anyone who has my commandments, 
He is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him too, and I will show myself to him. That means that God's Spirit is going to dwell in us. When we make that decision, when we know God's calling on us, when we know that God's called us to him, then this love begins to grow in us. And then he shows himself to us. This Holy Spirit shows, and that love that we can now see, we can now bring to others, including in marriage, including with family, and with friends. We all have those friendships that have fallen apart. And I don't mean the friendships where, hey, the flow of life just means we don't get to hang out with each other as much. That happens. That's just part of life. That's just the way it goes. We were talking with some college students and they're dealing with that experience of, I was really close with all these people and now we've graduated and I'm a year or two out now and these friendships are different and they feel guilty about it. And we're we're like, don't, that's just how life goes. You got a job, they move to this state or they're over here and they're dating that girl and well, you don't have a girl. Or they have a wife and kids and you just have a girlfriend or you have, it's just different. It's just, we're in different flows of life. I'm not talking about that kind of falling apart in a friendship. I'm talking about, well, I expected this and this didn't happen. Or just straight up, you hurt my feelings, you knew you did it, and I'm not going to forgive you for it. That's not agape. Agape, to understand agape, we have to see the cross. As we see the cross, realizing there's nothing we could ever do to repay what God has done for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's agape. I'm sitting here looking at all these verses, looking at all these notes floating on top of these harmonicas. Do you guys know how many harmonicas are up here, by the way? You always think there's just one, right? No, there's like harmonicas, and there's a box down here. I don't know how many are in there. I'm looking at all these notes, and I know that there's no way that I was able to describe God's love. That's why we take this time in Lent to remember. That's why we take this time in Lent to remember the cross, to remember God's love, for God so loved us. Because it takes a lifetime, and it takes God's gift to open our eyes to that. But I did see another picture that I want to close with, another picture of God's love for us. Um, uh, my son just got back from Washington, D.C. Uh, they do an eighth grade trip, and so he got to go out there. And when he came back, you know, you ask, your, you ask your kids, so how was it? Always a dumb question, by the way. How was it? Any trip. Like, they went through this whole experience, and you want them to tell you how it was. But he was able to describe something pretty clearly. He talked about his time at Arlington Cemetery. At Arlington Cemetery, uh, not everyone uh, who has died for the country is at Arlington they have different reasons, but it, it's a cemetery. And there's about f- over 14,000 um, soldiers, men and women, that are buried there. And you can talk about it. You could talk about people dying for their country or dying for another person. But it's a different thing, and it was for him, for him to show up to Arlington and to see just a sea of tombstones. And... Uh, this story was relayed by him, but it was also relayed by one of his teachers who emailed us because they were so moved by his reaction to this. He was, they said, look, this is, what, this is what's happened, this is what Arlington is. They described the cemetery. 
And then they said, now just go. And we're going to give you some time to be with your thoughts. And, you know, they're teenagers, so they're going to do all kinds of weird things. You know, they're going to grab their phones, take some selfies. They're going to uh, call their friends. They're going to whatever. Um, but my son, I know this is going to sound like bragging. It is. <laughs> but that's not why I'm sharing it with you. I'm sharing this with you because I think he had a picture of agape. A picture that we need to see because he came to, to, to one of the headstones, one of the tombstones. And my son took off his hat and he put it over his heart and he just bowed his head. Because at that moment, he realized this person doesn't even know me. This person will never meet me, would have never met me, yet died for me. There's nothing I can do to give back. That's agape. There is no greater love than to lay down your life for another. And we are given that opportunity every day. It is impossible for us. I know that some of those faces popped up into your head right now. You're like, I am so not loving that person. You don't know what that person did. You don't know what's happening inside of me. It doesn't matter. As God has loved us, so we must love one another and we are capable because God has placed his spirit within us. We have that ability. We just need to activate. We just need to surrender to God's love and say, do what you're gonna do. I wanna invite the worship team up. We're gonna take communion and communion, as we've discussed before, is when Christ, at the Last Supper, his Last Supper, said, take this and do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to do this in remembrance of his agape, of his love. There's nothing we could have done to earn this. If those who are serving communion could go uh, to the the places that you're going to go. Um, when you take communion, maybe approach it like you would if you went to Arlington to realize that there's nothing you could ever do to repay this. But it was freely given. Not only was it freely given, but God wanted to. He hungered to. As Greg read the passage in the beginning, God didn't come to condemn the world, but to save us because he loves us, because he he is so full that he wants to share that fullness with us and rescue us. So if we could, I want us to all stand, please. If you can. If you can't, that's totally fine. When you take communion, um, can you please go using the, these middle rows to come forward, and then you can go out the sides to go back. That way you guys don't all bump into each other and, and um, knock things over. So... Um, when you come, the bread will be served to you and they're going to say, this is his body which was broken for you. Hopefully that will take on new meaning or refreshed meaning this morning. And then you'll take that and you'll dip it into the, um, the juice. And that juice is, he said, it's my blood which was shed for you. 
Hopefully this will take on a whole new meaning um, and that we can do this in remembrance of him. Um, they've chosen songs that point in this direction. And so um, let me pray for us. Father God, I pray that this uh, music, that these words, that all of this would be pleasing to you and that you would open up our eyes to this love, to this agape. Give us the strength to not feel responsible to pay back, but instead to learn how to receive. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's love is, is deep and difficult for us to understand. And Boog kind of stole a little bit of my thunder. You see, I'm an eighth grade history teacher, and I have the unique opportunity every spring to travel with eighth graders back to Washington, D.C. And I just got back a few days ago. I actually saw Keaton while we were there. It was on a dinner dance cruise. And <laughs> so I was talking to a few girls from his school. This is unrelated, but it's so priceless I have to share it. And so just other eighth graders from a different school. And I said, for some reason, his name came up. And I said, yeah, I know Keaton. They're like, you know Keaton? I said, yeah, I've known him since he was born. And they, one of them said to me, oh, my gosh, every girl at my school likes him. <laughs> so <laughs> immediately, I took out my phone and texted Bug. I'm like, you'll never believe what this girl said. His response made, literally made me laugh out loud. I know we always text LOL, but this literally made me laugh out loud. He texts back. He says, it must be his cologne. <laughs> so I digress, but it was such a great story I felt I had to share. It's my tremendous honor and privilege to take these kids and help them experience Washington, D.C., and, of course, two of the most profound and impactful experiences that we have are going to Arlington National Cemetery and the Vietnam Wall, uh, the Vietnam Memorial, because those are tangible displays of when people show agape love. And every year, I get emotional as I'm at those two places. Because what a profound experience for me, what a huge honor for me as a teacher, as their teacher at a public school, to show them this is the sacrifice that has been made for you and for me. Now I real, realize, of course, it's not on a spiritual level and it's not my job as their teacher in a public school to preach about Jesus, but I can preach about love. And what I tell them is, these people loved our country and loved you and me without knowing us, that they gave their lives. And if you don't believe me, look at those graves. Look at the tombstones. And it's thousands and thousands of tombstones that mark the price of our freedom, that mark where people sacrificed everything so that I don't have to in my life. And touch the names on the wall. And I love when I get to look down the wall and see the kids touching those names at the Vietnam Memorial. And it takes me back to when I was their age and I was there with my dad. And he took a crayon and rubbed the name of his cousin, whom I never met, but who passed in the Vietnam War. And fought for me, even though he never knew me. And how much more is God's love for us? 
than those men and women who died on this earth for our freedom. But God died so that we didn't have to and we can experience eternal life. Amen? I would recommend or encourage, if you're having a tough time grasping what it means, go home and Google images of the Vietnam Wall. Google images of Arlington National Cemetery and look at the price that men and women have paid for us and then imagine how much more is God's love. And we'll see you next Sunday. No, Friday. Good Friday. And then Sunday. Go in his grace. Amen.